Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the black effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elliot connie Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Which is Anonymous with Ilaria Baldwin and Michelle Campbell-Mason, an iHeartRadio podcast. It's Ilaria. Hi, guys. It's been an emotional time for my family. And I do so want to express to you how grateful I am for your support and your kindness and your reason. Quite honestly, I think without it, we would crumble. So thank you so much for being our rock right now, because I don't feel so strong. Kids are sponges, and while certain conversations are not always age-appropriate, we cannot deny that they don't feel the energy and pick up on certain things in the family and at home. Also, parenting little people can be stressful regardless of added stress. So today we are speaking with Dr. Hilary Goldscher about how to take care of our children and ourselves when times are hard. This is Witches Anonymous. I'm Michelle Campbell-Mason. And I'm Ilaria Baldwin. And we'd like to welcome Dr. Hilary Goldscher. Hi, my name is Dr. Hilary Goldscher. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist in Beverly Hills, and I specialize in parenting as well as trauma, depression, and anxiety. Welcome. Thank you for coming and talking with us. I feel like so many of us have a certain amount of gasoline in our bodies every single day, regardless of added stress in our life. What would you say is a, um, a tool for maintaining our energy every single day? 
This is the ubiquitous question that we ask as, as parents and certainly as, as moms constantly. But I think we have to get past the sort of like cliche of it. Like, how do we self-care and really dig into what that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis? The notion of like moms have to take care of themselves, the mental load, the logistics, the sort of primitive edict to take care of littles is all there. And we can only do it if we're regulated ourselves. We can only regulate our children if we regulate ourselves. And I'm always careful when I talk about this topic to understand people's relative differences and ability to self-care, the, the, the help you have, the resources that are available to you, the literal time um, that is available on a day that you don't have your kids around, but whether it's a five-minute meditation, a 10-minute journaling in the morning, a call to a friend, going in the bathroom and closing the door and deep breathing for a few minutes, we have to have a practice to self-regulate. And with self-regulation comes not just a containment of sort of bodily responses to stress, but also comes the messaging to ourselves, the reinforcement that like we we matter, how we are doing matters, that we are the heart and the compass of our family. And without being diligent with self-care, there's a spillover. There's emotional rent to pay for not just us, but our entire family. So it's, to me, it's really about the practice, the dedication to a practice, if it's a couple of minutes or an hour every day, depending on what you have available, but making it deliberate, purposeful, intentional. I have a really very strict morning routine. And I think without that, you know, the hardest times in life are virtually impossible. But I also feel like with so many parents, it's a, it's a gift to have those moments. Um, are there I mean, do you recommend people just get up earlier, try to carve it out or hide in a closet or, you know, kind of how do we how do we get that if we're constantly, you know, in being requested? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, that's the question. A fair question. Yeah. Now, I recommend what I practice, which I meditate a, a couple times a day and I wake up, you know, five or 10 minutes early and I add it on again for round two before I go to bed. And so if I don't have room for anything else in my day, I have that as bookends to my day. So yes, I, I think you have to be deliberate. It's so hard for us to give up an extra five, 10 minutes of sleep. It's so hard for us to lock ourselves in the bathroom without being distracted, but just trying to find, and usually it's after the kiddos go to sleep or in the morning before they wake, just trying to find a time to breathe and sort of connect with yourself because it's so easy to not self-check to, to sort of look at yourself and figure out, well, how am, I, how am I doing? How are my feeling? And what do I need to do to sort of address any outstanding stressors or worries? And how is that impacting my family? And how do I communicate to myself, to my partner, to my kiddos about sort of the emotional compass of where my family is right now? Because our, our kids feel it. I mean, our, our kids feel where we are. I was given great advice many, many, many years ago, which is um, had, which had nothing to do with parenting. But they said to me that the key to anything successful in your life is to be inside and outside at the same time. You want to be inside your experience to be able to feel the passion, and you want to be outside to sort of see the perspective and check yourself, as you as you use that word, you know. And I think. Being as I know in my experience, being a mom of so many, even though I have, you know, school and resources and, you know, the ability to have friends and, and people who work with us to help us, I still don't have a lot of time to myself. 
And so what I've learned is practicing on the go sometimes, you know, and, and it didn't where when I had fewer children, I made, I may have had more time to do the self care that I would love of meditating and stuff like that. And now I find that a lot of it is being in the moment of noticing my shoulders, check, noticing my brow, check, noticing my jaw, check, and constantly scanning. And of course, I'm very yoga, yoga connected. Um, but it allowed me to get away from the excuse of, oh, I don't have time for that. And it's like, well, the time is now when you're living. Yes. I, you're talking about a notion that I talk about a lot with clients. I, I believe you have to tell me if this resonates, the idea, the difference between being sort of inside your feelings and an observer or a witness of your feelings, right? And that is something you can sort of practice and do on the go, albeit it's quite difficult to do all the time and to do successfully. And what I mean is being inside a feeling looks like we're angry, we're sad, and we're acting from it. You know, we're just standing. And we're acting from that feeling we're yelling or dysregulated or slamming a door and being outside a feeling. And this is, I, I say it as if it's easy and there's few things harder from an emotional psychological standpoint, but being outside the feeling and being able to narrate, I'm really angry right now. I feel my body getting tense and hot. I'm going to go into the other room and take a break. That's something you might say to yourself. That's something you might say to your child. I literally said that to my eight-year-old um, either last night or the night before. So there's a, a version of self-care we can do in real time. And not only is it good for ourselves, but it's good for our children to witness us managing tricky feelings. Because right. Being inside of it almost always ends up uh, with us showing up in a way that we don't feel best about being outside of it gives us more opportunity to think and to choose. Yes. Garta said, I have the ability to escalate a situation or de-escalate a situation. And that's always where I'm like, okay, I have a choice with this. And I don't always make the right choice, but I try to. <laughs> and that's also just like the beauty of having the liberty within your mind to say, I can take a pause. I don't have to react. I can take a breath. I can wait five seconds. And like what that does to your nervous system. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
all these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have a question about like the physical um, response to trauma. Um, obviously we all, we all feel it. And, you know, it's just a fact that when we, our mind revisits trauma, um, how it affects our cortisol levels and how that completely throws off our nervous system. Is that something you could speak to a little bit? Because I think a lot of people forget how much our thoughts affect, you know, the science of our bodies. That's right. And I I think this goes along nicely with the notion of being inside our feelings or outside of them. A trauma response, and I'm slightly oversimplifying it, but a trauma response is our body responding to something from the past in the present, right? And so it takes on sort of a fight or flight mode. And that can show up in different ways. We might feel a racing heart. We might feel uh, shaky hands. We might feel hot. We might shut down. We might flee either emotionally or literally. It is a response to a sort of current stimuli as if it is a past traumatic stimulus. And so it can be intense and quick and overwhelming and unpredictable. And the two collapse together. So you're responding to the moment as if it is a threat when maybe it's not, you know, we, the, the kids are hanging all over us and um, we have a trauma response and we, we yell or scream in a way that is disproportionate to the situation at hand, right? And so a few things to do. One is to understand this generally speaking, and we're having this discussion right now that like, oh, that's what that is. That happens to me sometimes and employing like deep compassion and empathy. That's a very primitive edict. Uh, that doesn't make anyone sort of a bad person. It just makes us all human, particularly if you've had 
past trauma and most of us have in one way or the other, right? So being able to just understand that paradigm is useful. And then when it happens, it's like, not if, it's when, no, we're not gonna get this like 100% of the time, right? When it happens, employing the practice of being able to recognize, oh, that just happened. You know, my kid's just pulling on my shirt because they're tired and hungry. And I responded in a way that was disproportionate, aha, trauma response. And again, so in the moment, empathy and compassion. And then, I mean, depending on the logistics, I want to always acknowledge, like sometimes we can't step away or sometimes we have lots of other kids there or we're in the middle of something. But if possible, being able to take a minute, do some deep breathing and, and sort of employ that compassion I'm talking about, like, wow, I just had a response to something somewhat innocuous, stressful, but innocuous. Uh, that must mean I'm coming from like an old wounded part. Like, uh, and sort of, you know, hand on heart. Like I, I, I'm, I'm just a person trying to, to manage really, really difficult feelings from my past right now. And then one of my favorite things is repair, repair, repair. It's one of my favorite tools as a parent. And maybe it sounds obvious. Maybe it sounds revolutionary or somewhere in between. But we're all going to show up in ways that we don't feel good about. We just are. This is what I do for a living. And I, I do, right? And and so one of my favorite parenting tools is to go back and and, and go to your kid, to go to my kid and say, mm, mommy just got really angry back there, didn't I? I yelled and I slammed the door. And that must have felt scary. That must have felt hard to see. I know it did for me. And that had nothing to do with you. Yeah, I needed you to sit down for dinner. That's still true. But mom is going to work really hard on kind of managing her tricky feelings when I have them and 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 try to do a bit better next time. We all have tricky feelings, don't we? And a, a, your kid might go, oh, thank you so much. Your kid might go like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the point is, is you're infusing a narrative into your kid that says like tricky feelings are okay. It's okay to feel dysregulated. And here's what it looks like to try to repair and to work on uh, sort of containment next time. I, I love that. That's something that we do a lot at our house. And one of the things that I always try to drive home is that no one should ever treat you that way and you shouldn't treat anyone that way. Because I, you know, especially I'm one of the things I think as a parent is I'm afraid that they're going to experience things and then they're going to end up in a relationship when they're like 25 and that's what it's going to be like, you know? And so, um, you know, saying that this is normal and this happens doesn't mean it's okay. And then I try on top of that, I wonder how you think about this. Like, I try on top of that, you know, the other day, um, my, my son Leonardo was having a really hard time and he didn't really understand why, but it's just, you could tell that his nervous system was too much and moving his body and crying and trying to fight and a bunch of different stuff. And he's a really sweet kid. He's probably the sweetest of all my kids. And so I said, what do you need? And I, I took him out just the two of us so that we could talk and we just went downstairs. And then he said, I really want to go to the store and I want to buy balloons. And I want to buy balloons for all of us. And I, you know, so we went to the, there's like this little party dollar store, two blocks from our house. And we went there and he picked out seven balloons and it was a really quick trip. And by the time he was home, he was in a different place and he came and he wanted to give a balloon to each one, including our four month old. Um, and it was just so heartwarming, but he needed a, an extra tool because reason doesn't work with a six-year-old. That's right. That's right. I, I, I love that that came to you both, you know, sort of organically. That is correct. And you're bringing up another really important dynamic is that education and rationality around feeling management does not happen in the moment of an upset or a tantrum. It just doesn't. 
And so in the moment of an upset or a tantrum, go-to tool, in my view, is empathy, is validation, acknowledgement. It's so hard right now. You just wish that you didn't have to leave the play date. You just wish you could keep on staying. I know it's so hard to leave. So difficult. You're so angry. I see you punching the seat. I see you grabbing at the blankets. I know you don't want to leave. It's so hard. And we still set the boundary. And we do have to go. So either you can walk out the door and mama's going to grab you and help you out the door, but being able to start with empathy and you're right. Sometimes if we have the ability or luxury of like a little time switching landscapes, switching, having an emotional outlet in a different space can change how our child is moving through the moment quite significantly. And you kind of organically. And it's hard. It's hard because, and I've gone through phases where I was like, all right, go into your room or time out or how dare you do that? You know, I mean, the shaming you go through it because you're just like, why are you doing this? I do not understand. And then that gets to a big part of what I want to talk to about today. They feel what's going on in our home. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know? That's right. That's right. There's no question. I mean, some of what you're describing responding to our kids, how dare you, what's wrong with you, go to your room, you've just lost X, Y, and Z, et cetera. I'll have those moments. And sometimes those things are appropriate, sort of a firm, hard consequence or boundary, right? But that's secondary. That's not the headline. The headline is some version of validation and acknowledgement. You're hurting right now. I see you. I hear you. It feels so hard right now. You're so angry. I'm going to sit here with you until it, until it passes. And you know what? I'm still going to sit here with you. Right. And talking about extending it to the notion of what's happening inside a household. If a household is going through a particularly difficult time, you know, related to, uh, I don't know, challenges at school, family illness, uh, separations, divorces, et cetera, being able to say that out loud to a child, not in the moment of upset, because again, no education or information is really seeping in, but later, maybe at bedtime, my favorite time to do with my older one, who's more mercurial, is to say something like, wow, I was thinking about earlier, you wanted to have a second dessert and you were so mad and sad that I, I wouldn't let you have it. Yeah, that was really hard. And then if something's going on in the household, I might say something like, gosh, you know, we just, we've been looking at, at different schools for the last month. I wonder how that feels inside your body or inside the house, like a change is coming and it's kind of scary, yeah. a lot of unknowns. And maybe you feel that. Um, and, and and that's normal. I feel it a little bit. I'm a little nervous about where we're going to end up, where I'm going to make new friends, how it's going to feel. And being able, you know, my, my eight-year-old will be like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, stop talking. You know, my little one would engage forever, but my, my older one is, is going to deny any complicated feelings, even though he's the son of a psychologist, but um, right. Nonetheless, I I know that that narrative is getting in there, that I'm providing him guidance and insight, you know, sort of um, goalposts, if you will, about what's happening in the house. It's not you. There's, There's a feeling going on inside the house that's hard right now. We all feel it. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... 
We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What about when it's not age appropriate to have certain conversations with them, how, and, but they can feel it and you're trying so hard to mask it and you're trying so hard to pin a smile on your face and be like, everything's okay. There's a joke in my house where I'm always like, it's all great. Yeah. Great. I'm like, literally I'm poppy in, uh, in trolls where like every, and she's like, I'm going to get back up again. You know, people joke, we joke on the house that that's me, but it's like, you know, what do you do when you can't actually explain to them? Such a good question. I'm so, so happy that you asked it. You can still have the conversation. And I know we imagine that our kids are going to sort of be like, no, no, but what is it? What's going on? You have to tell me, please fill in the blanks. It's not really, really what kids are interested in, especially little ones. What they want to know is that you're okay and they're okay. So I would still say some version of like, I think it's been feeling a little tricky in the house, like some worry and some difficult feelings like frustration or sadness. I felt that. Have you? Well, and they might say yes, no, or nothing. And that might feel really hard. It might feel a little bit different to be in the house. That might make you sad or mad. And I, I want you to know that 
sometimes families go through times where those kind of feelings are are more present than other times. And I'm here and we're all together and you can always talk to me and we'll all work through those things together. Right. So you don't have to say to them that anything specific is going on per se. And if something specific is going on, um, uh, uh, there's an illness or something, but you're not wanting to get into the, the, the details of the severity of the illness or um, or, or what's going to happen. You can say like, oh, grandma's sick. And that's and that's felt a little bit hard for all of us. We're not sure how she's doing every day. And we're wondering about her and thinking about her. And that's hard. Right. So you can just do like really age appropriate general stuff. I think there's a, a feeling or a pull that we have to fill in all the blanks. And really, our kiddos, as I said before, just want to know we're OK and they're OK. And to acknowledge what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Naming it is so much more containing than suppressing and denying it. And we know that as grownups, right? If you think about your best friend, your sister, your partner, if you're feeling upset and angry and you share that and your partner's like, oh my God, you're fine. You're always fine. Like you always figure out a way through it. That doesn't feel as good as when our partner says, oh my God, I'm so sorry you're feeling that way. Like it, it, it's been such a difficult week and you know what? I, I, I felt it too kind of thing, right? It feels so much more containing and relieving. Our feelings can come up and out instead of stay stuck inside. So don't be afraid to go towards the tricky feeling in, inside ourselves and definitely not with our kids. Yeah, absolutely. As a parent, we we want to protect our children, make it like everything is fine, even when it's not. That's right. It is it is a primitive edict that we all have to be conscious of and sort of fight against. I mean, not, not to overstate it, but we are not serving our children better by keeping them apart from the exposure and management of tricky feelings. There's there's no escape from tricky feelings as little ones or as adults. And so we want to be able to say, we all have this and here's what it looks like and here are ways to cope with that and to notice that our bodies always regulate to another feeling state. I'll say that to my kids a lot that like, did you ever notice that that a feeling that a, one particular feeling never stays? It, it always changes. It always goes away. Right. So even if you're feeling sad, you kind of know that at some point it'll feel different. Right. So and, and that's true for all of us, too. We, we don't always have just one feeling state and be able being able to sort of teach our kids that through our own management of our tricky feelings and through their own. Yeah. I mean, aside from like, say, ensuring your children that the feelings do transmute and become something else eventually, um, are there any other little tips you have? Like I always think with kids like box breathing, very simple, you know, techniques that just kind of immediately calm the system. Are there any that are top of mind for you? Just we could yeah, recommend. We, I, I think breathing is an excellent tool. We do either um, breathe four times, hold, and then breathe out for four times. We do rainbow breaths where the kids sort of hold their hands and do some version of this, which can be really useful. We sometimes draw out feelings like, oh, you're feeling so frustrated. I wonder if you can like make a picture of that or tell a story around it. My older one really likes that. But I would say the primary thing, and this feels paradoxical, so paradoxical is to just sit with our kid in the feeling to try to name it and sit in it because yeah. the more we try to make it go away the more persistent it is and we notice that with ourselves if we feel anxious but we try to push it away or suppress it it like shows up some other way now all of a sudden uh, our, our tummy hurts or you know our shoulders are tight right but when we go there in a supported environment it usually dissipates so I, I know it's not always possible, but to the extent it is to be able to just sit with a kid and like, you're, you're so sad. It, nothing feels good right now. Right. 
No, and I tell, I teach my passes. kids that, and that, yeah, well, or, or at least you can work with it. I teach my, my children that your, your body has a physical reaction to all of your thoughts and emotions. So once we have that, we think about, okay, well, how are my thoughts affecting all of my muscles? You know, and it makes sense when you're in love, your belly is full of butterflies. When you're scared, your mouth is going to go dry. When you're stressed, your neck is going to hurt. I mean, it makes sense. And so to teach them that, I mean, I always say I'm going to be a successful parent if I can teach them to be good little problem solvers. I want them to be like, okay, this is the issue. Let me weed away all of the stuff that I just is not helpful. And that is tension in my job. That is not going to make the situation better. And then I can really focus on, on what needs to get done and how to solve this. And I love what you're saying as well about, you know, making, teaching them things that they're temporary. Things are temporary because as, you know, as adults, that's difficult. And as children, that's extraordinarily difficult. And that's where, you know, when you talk about child suicide rates and stuff like that, a lot of it is not understanding, not being in that outside looking in saying this is temporary this Mm -hmm. is going to go and i have the ability and the resources yes to to get help and not being afraid of the feelings and you know one one concept i like to think about is is it's not about uh, uh, sort of guiding our children to make their feelings go away it's about getting them better to feel the feelings right and so having a narrative around that. I know it, it. it's so hard to feel this. You just want it to go away or, but being able to say like sitting in your feelings is part of how we help them go away. Talking about them in a safe environment, feeling them in your body and letting them come up and out, not being afraid of the feeling and not being afraid of how it feels in your body. And I love that you have that dialogue with your kids because oftentimes as I work with adults all the time that have a um, sort of a, a, a traumatic response to a bodily sensation uh, that's related to a difficult feeling, right? So they feel uh, shaky or their chest tightens and that feels traumatic because it feels like it's danger and that fight or flight sort of false alarm threat kicks in as opposed to it like, okay, something something hard or scary or difficult or worrisome has, has come into my head or in my environment and like, how do I take a moment and breathe into it and figure out what my next move is? You know, that difference between being like in the feeling and then outside of feeling. Thank you so much for joining us today. We could continue this conversation for a very long time. And I think one thing I'd love to take away from this is how we know how to explain it to our kids, but we still have the same responses and how to integrate that into our practice. So thank you for that reminder. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Michelle, one thing I, I really love about that conversation is, you know, I, I went into it with this idea of, oh gosh, how do I protect my kids from just all of this growing up and the negative things in life and hard times. And I just do want everything to be sunshine and rainbows all the time. And one of the things that I really appreciated that Dr. Goldshaw told us is that sometimes teaching them not to be afraid of the emotion and not to be afraid of the pain and, you know, not to be afraid of going through hard times. That actually is such a gift because it's going to teach them to be resilient and understand that feelings are temporary and that, you know, better times can come again. And when, when the fear no longer elicits fear, then there's, there's a lot of freedom too, because fear is the most paralyzing thing any of us go through. I mean, I was thinking about what she said about 
the trauma response and how you can have a reaction that's almost out of body. And I was thinking about about a year ago, I was arguing with someone pretty intensely and I got so out of my body that I made the Uber pull over, jumped out of the car and started running down the street. It was such a wild reaction and it was such, you know, a deeply seated trauma response. And it was kind of interesting to have her say that because, you know, we're all subject to it, children, adults, everyone. And so it's 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 a nice reminder that we're not alone and the, the body is so complicated and the mind, you know, can take us, you know, to the most the highest highs and the lowest lows and that we all just need to be patient. Breathe through it, feel the feelings and there's got to be a way out. Yeah. And and seeing the humanity in other people as well and understanding that they may be going through something as well. And so being kind, being patient and being good, you know, friends to as many people as we can. Yeah. What's that? I don't know if it's a quote, but that like idea, you know, everyone you meet is going through something, right? So just having that kind of approach, a little gentler. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for for listening. And thank you again for all of your kindness and support. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.